city of Seattle, it's the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff and things. Also sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, the man that's more than meets the eye, Mike Seibert. Well, uh, welcome to the uh, last panel of uh, Sidefest Northwest 2019. Have you had a good time so far? There's a couple woos. Very nice. Well, uh, well, my name is Mike Seibert. I am the host of nobody's favorite Transformers adjacent podcast, uh, Mike Seibert Radio. It's, uh, I, you know, I generally talk to like independent artists, uh, musicians, things like that, but. I can't help but have my uh, fandom of Transformers spill over into the content that I do. So uh, my regular podcast listeners are like, you know what? You, you seem to be talking about Transformers a lot. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm not quite a fully-fledged Transformers podcast. You know, like a lot of great shows out there, like, you know, uh, Radio Free Cybertron, Transmissions, things like that. All cool folks. I do something a little different, kind of longer form, and just, uh, I, I basically like to talk. I, I like to talk, and I, it, it's, he's Scott knows what's up. He uh, talked to me for uh, just over an hour about his uh, awesome Bumblebee and a half. Yes, that's true. It was, it was pretty, uh, pretty lengthy. But um, what I thought we would do for this, uh, this particular uh, panel discussion and kind of like this live podcast is um, I, I noticed on the calendar that the anniversary for Transformers the movie is coming up in the next couple weeks. And that happens to be my favorite movie of all time. I mean, he, yeah, see, you know what's up. So, um, so yeah, I thought I would just kind of like, um, you know, tell some stories and just kind of talk about the movie kind of like in general a little bit. But basically what, what I would like is um, for folks out there uh, listening and hanging out with us, if you have like a favorite memory, favorite story, anything that you would like to talk about with regards to 1986's The Transformers, the movie, it's, it's the best title ever, um, we'll, uh, uh, we'll definitely uh, earmark some time for that. So, um, so yeah, so I'll just kind of get going. Let, let me, let me kind of set the mood. I, I said, um, I, I did a, did some research and got some notes out and I, I, every time I hear this, it just, it just kind of like uh, uh, raises the hair on my arm. Two years in the making, an incredible adventure and spectacular widescreen animation. Transformers, the movie. It's a startling original story that begins in the year 2005. A monster planet destroys everything in its path. While on Earth, Optimus Prime and Megatron battle to the death. It's a story that will shock and surprise even the most diehard Transformers fans, starring Leonard Nimoy and Judd Nelson, with songs by Weird Al Yankovic and Stan Bush. Escape into fantasy this summer into the incredible rock and roll adventure. Transformers the movie, don't miss it. It's rated PG and opens in theaters everywhere August 8th. So I remember in the, uh, in the summer of 1986, you could not get away from those commercials. They ran all the time and uh it was always very dynamic it would have uh the the vince DeCola score uh you got the touch uh they would play dare sometimes and it was just 
it was something that I knew that I had to go see. I was, you know, I was a huge fan of Transformers uh, from from basically the beginning, but when the movie came out, it was just it, it was. There, there, I knew that there was going to be something magical and special about it. It's like th this isn't just a regular episode of that of that television show. This is this is something significant. So, um, I don't believe I ended up going to see it on opening day, but I know it was within the uh, the first week or so of it being out. Uh, my mom uh, took me to the Bay Theater in Ballard. And which is still there today, uh, the Majestic Bay Theater. It's uh, it's expanded. There's like an upstairs. It's kind of like a luxury uh, theater now. But when I was a kid, and we were kind of living in like kind of like the Greenwood area um, at that time, um, it was just a kind of run-down two-screen theater. And I just remember this is like one of those memories that is just burned into me. I see the marquee with the giant block letters that you don't see as much anymore saying. Transformers the movie and they had like the poster on the outside and it just it just gripped my imagination. It was uh it was the first movie in the theater that I had the opportunity to go see by myself. Like um you know I had seen a bunch of movies uh you know my parents my aunt you know took me to the movies all the time but this was one where uh my mom had asked me she's like, "Hey man, do you do you you think you can hang with this by yourself?" and I'm like, yeah, I'll go to the movies by myself. That that sounds cool. I mean, it was 1986. It was a different time. You know, back when you could just drop a seven-year-old kid at the movies and it'd be okay. In retrospect, that's that's terribly inappropriate. But um, so anyway, so yeah, so my mom drove me to the theater, dropped me off. I had my own money to uh, buy my ticket. I go to the box office, buy my ticket. I go in, and I remember this very vividly. I got myself a small popcorn a pack of red vines and Dr. Pepper and I sat down to watch Transformers the movie and just from the the very opening of it where like you know the the ominous unicron theme comes up and it's all you know all the mist and light and it's very uh, uh psychedelic and it just gripped my imagination just from there. I'm like, whoa, what is all this? And then that cold open starts and, and RIP the uh, poor people of Lethone. Uh, but yeah, I was just, I was just like, like, like I read in the copy here, I was shocked and surprised and the credits hadn't even started yet. There was no main title. And then just that, that, that uh, super 80s hair metal rendition of the Transformers theme. And I'm just like, this is awesome! You know, it was it just it just blew my hair back, and then of course we're off to the races from there, and the movie happens, and you know it just again just just being in that movie theater experience with a lot of other folks, um, my uh, uh, my screening was pretty well packed. I remember this just kind of looking around and seeing a bunch of folks there, and yeah, just experiencing it with an audience. At that age, it was just um, again, just just experiencing it. it. It's it's one of those things that even to this day, it's kind of uh, re, um, informed my taste. I love going to the movies and going to see movies with a crowd. It's I, I feel like going to the movies is a community experience, and I think I trace a lot of that back to that viewing of Transformers the movie because it's just again, you're you're sharing an experience. 
uh, with folks. And so anyway, so yeah, I just, um, from there, that, that's what really gripped my imagination. And it just, it's something that has stuck with me even now. I just, uh, I just recently uh, turned 40 last year, and it just, you know, it, it's a movie that's always been with me and always will be with me because unlike a lot of um, movies of the time, you know, like, uh, like My Little Pony the movie or the, those two Care Bear movies or even G.I. Joe the movie, um, you know, they, they just don't have that same longevity that, uh, that Transformers does. I mean, here we're all at a uh, local independent Transformers convention you know, uh, celebrating in the fandom. And I feel that Transformers the movie is definitely the, the uh, centerpiece of G1. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, it, th th there's so much going on. And we'll, we'll talk about that in uh, just a couple minutes. But I, you know, I, I mentioned that those commercials earlier, like, you know, um, you know uh, Escape into Fantasy this summer, Incredible Rock and Roll Adventure, widescreen animation, which incidentally, um, it wasn't in widescreen. <laughs> it was it was cropped to fit in theaters. Um, I learned that from a from a couple different uh, uh, DVD commentaries. But um, but that wasn't the extent of the commercials. There was, uh, you know, they had uh, they had so many spoilers in all of these commercials. It was like, does Prime die? As they're showing Optimus Prime getting riddled with laser blast. That dude is super dead. <laughs> and it's like, what is the secret of the monster planet? As they're showing footage of Unicron transforming. Uh, spoilers, by the way. Incidentally, is there anybody in here that has not seen Transformers the movie? Oh, good. Because <laughs> I was going to say, oh, yeah, by the way, Optimus Prime totally dies. Sorry. He gets better eventually, but that's, uh, but that's later. But the, but the one that stuck with me, and this is one of my earliest memories of being influenced by advertising. Uh, one of the commercials says, it's so big, so exciting, you gotta see it twice to take it all in. And I remember that like, I, I had already seen it once, and I, I was sitting there hanging out with my mom, I'm like, well, you know, the commercial says, you got to see it twice to take it all in. So I, I got to go again. And sure enough, she took me again. Me and, my, me and uh, one of my buddies went. And so, yeah, I, I um, depending upon where you lived and how many, uh, you know, localities to theaters or access to theaters, there's a lot of us, even, uh, even at my age, that never saw Transformers, the movie, in the theater. I got to see it twice. And uh, so I kind of had that self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, some of my friends tease me about their, like, oh, rich kid over here. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, no, the, uh, the Bay Theater ran Transformers the movie, I think, pretty much for its entire run. I think, like, uh, a Great Mouse Detective kind of uh, uh, showed up after it or something like that. But, but yeah, it, it ran for a good uh, few weeks. So, um, so a couple things I wanted to uh, talk about specifically with... Um, with regards to the movie, just kind of like some, some technical uh, specs here. Uh, Transformers the movie was released theatrically in the United States on Friday, August 8th, 1986 on 990 screens. So uh, less than 1,000 screens. It grossed $1.7 million in its opening weekend and ranked 14th place at the box office. The next week, 
it grossed below $1 million, making it drop off the box office list. Incidentally, does anybody know what uh, the number one movie that weekend of August 8th when uh, Transformers the movie came out? Top Gun is in there, but that wasn't, uh, wasn't the number one. I'll, uh, I'll give you a hint. It's a James Cameron joint. Yeah. Yeah, so number one at the box office at the time was Aliens, which pulled in $5.7 million in its third week of release. So this, this, was, <laughs> this was a movie that was three weeks old, $5.7 million. Um, also, a sad note of trivia on that, Howard the Duck in its second week of release grossed $2.7 million, six places higher than Transformers the movie. I don't know how many Howard the Duck conventions there are, so and that's some of the stuff that we'll talk about. But um, other movies in the top five that weekend included The Karate Kid Part Two, Top Gun, um, as uh, as Scott mentioned, in its thirteenth week um, at the box office, still holding that number three spot, as well as Fly of the Navigator. So definitely some stiff box office competition to be sure. Uh, Transformers the movie cost about $6 million to make and brought in about $5.8 million during its original run and obviously based on the numbers that I just shared is widely considered to be a box office bomb. And uh, I wanted to read a few of these because uh, um, as a lot of us know, the movie didn't fare especially well with critics either. Here's some of the reviews from the time from August of 1986. Uh, quote, uh, the Transformers in which Orson Welles plays a planet is pure headache material. Target, target audience of cartoon watchers will probably find the film unintelligible, noisy, and unoriginal. Box office prospects are dismal. Uh, that, uh, that from Variety. Um, obnoxious animated feature with the title Good Guys Who Defend the Universe Against an Evil Planet, which has a voice of its own provided by Orson Welles. That deafening rock score certainly doesn't help. Little more than a feature-length toy commercial. That by Leonard Malton. Come on, man, the Maltz? Um, yeah, so he, uh, he wrote that um, for his uh, movie and video guide in 1987. Um, and let's see, um, while all this action may captivate young children, the, animated, the animation is not spectacular enough to dazzle adults, and the Transformers have very few truly human elements to lure parents along, even when their voices are supplied by well-known actors. That, uh, that from the New York Times. Um, so yeah, so I mean, y you get the idea. It was, um, it was a critical and box office failure. It bombed, and it bombed so hard that it torpedoed the G.I. Joe movie from being uh, released theatrically and resulted in the uh, movie about Jim and the Holograms to be canceled entirely. It was, a, it was a huge disaster for Hasbro. They lost something upwards to like $10 million on, uh, on the whole thing. So the question becomes, why then, given all of the information that I was just sharing, why are we still talking about this movie 33 years later? Why do we care about it? Why are we going to uh, conventions for it? Um, there was a hint that I found in uh, the August 8, 1986 issue of the uh, Chicago Tribune. It states that the Transformers the movie has all the markings of a traditional science fiction cult classic movie. So, and they wrote that in 1986. Even though the movie did poorly financially and was panned by most movie critics, it's still an important touchstone 
for not just Transformers fans, but for 80s cult nostalgia culture as well. So, a few things to unpack there. Um, the main thing, the, the primary legacy, I think, with Transformers the movie is that it, it propelled the story forward in a way, in this type of fiction, that we hadn't seen before, or quite frankly, since. I, uh, for me, Transformers the movie will always be the measurement by a uh, TV show to movie adaptation. Like, I remember, like, in uh, uh, 1994, I think it was, when Star Trek Generations came out. I'm just like, you know, it's kind of the continuation of Star Trek The Next Generation. It kind of kind of links the, the original cast with The Next Generation cast. And I remember this. I was like, yeah, well, it's no Transformers the movie, though. Uh, because just in the way that it told a story that was kind of just kind of like a, a more expanded episode with a slightly better budget. Whereas with Transformers the movie, it blew my hair back so much to where, again, I hadn't seen anything like that. Because, um, I mean, you're not getting that from, like, you know, uh, Pokemon the movie or, like, you know, like uh, that, that first one. Or really anything that's leapt from uh, the the small screen to the big screen and then back again. Because, I mean, again... Transformers the movie bridges the gap between season two and season three and changes the status quo in a way that, you know, again, it was just, you know, so unheard of. It was uh, uh, just way, uh, way ambitious. Um, but aside from that, kind of setting that, that high bar and what I feel kind of plays into the legacy of Transformers the movie, um, also introduced a number of storytelling tropes that would become incredibly common across all Transformers fiction, including the introduction of Unicron. Now, one of the things that I'm talking about here is, you know, kind of the legacy of Transformers the movie. Anybody throw down for that HasLab Unicron? It's a little spendy for my taste and a little too big, but I'm excited that it's a thing that exists as a concept. So it took something that we all wanted 33 years ago when we saw it on screen and you know just imagining what a toy of that would be and 33 years later we're gonna get it and that's uh i i really can't think of a uh bigger legacy than that that you know we're we're getting a premium format 600 dollar toy i mean seriously that thing is going to weigh 19 pounds it's 27 inches tall it's 30 inches in diameter in planet mode this thing is insane but it looks like uh, if you look at it from the front um it looks like it came right off the screen so um but anyway, other concepts include the, uh, the concept of the Autobot Matrix of Leadership as a physical object, which we had never seen before. Um, also introduces uh, the death of Optimus Prime, spoilers, um, as a storytelling trope. I mean, seriously, um, Optimus Prime dies in pretty much every iteration of the fiction, and he gets better sometimes faster than others, but it was Transformers the movie that did it first. Um, also, uh, you have the trope of Megatron being upgraded and reformatted into Galvatron, uh, Starscream's crown, and, uh, you know, the list goes kind of on and on. Uh, to say nothing about the um, almost fetishization, um, I don't know if that's a word or not, of dialogue 
from the movie of uh, making its way into the fiction. I mean, it's like I I, I knew we were kind of in for trouble when I'm watching uh, 2007, that, that first Michael Bay li live action movie, and Optimus just pops off out of nowhere. He's like, one shall stand, one shall fall. And I'm like, I don't think you earned that yet, but but it's cool that it's there. I mean, I, I had the feeling that they were they wrote that line in there for me, you know, just for me, not for anybody else. But uh, but no, I, it's one of those things where I'm glad it was there. But um, but yeah, I mean, and you know, here's a hint, and you know, just uh, I still function, you know, all all of these all of these lines of dialogue that we all know from the movie. Um, you know, because I'm pretty sure that that Machinima series is really just kind of like recycled dialogue from the movie. That's pretty much the entirety of it. Uh, but while all of those important story elements are important to us, to Transformers fans, that's not really exactly what makes Transformers the movie significant in the overall uh, pop culture lexicon. So, so there's a couple things that that I'd kind of like to look at at that for. I don't know, for, for kids of a certain age, for that generation of kids, uh, Transformers the movie is really kind of like the gateway to anime. Uh, the, uh, the production value, you know, so much greater than your average Saturday morning cartoon, it, it raised the bar in every possible way. The scope and scale, level of detail, you know, stuff that we hadn't seen on screen before. Um, you know, we were, we were all raised on Disney. And, and that cartoon aesthetic. So it's like, you know, when you see these uh, renderings of the robots and you can see like the panel lines and, and again, just, uh, just the level of detail. Now, granted, we all know also that Transformers the movie is rotten with animation errors and mistakes, um, but there are so many scenes that are truly spectacular and that continue to amaze um, even after this latest uh, restoration from Shout Factory, when I got that 30th anniversary Blu-ray, there were details in the animation that I had never seen before. Like you uh, watch the cold open with Unicron, and you can just see like you know people hanging around in windows um, on Lethone that I never knew were there. Uh, when you see the the scene where. Uh, the uh, Decepticons are reformatted by Unicron and in like you know previous versions of it that the light was so oversaturated the colors I mean that you know there, there was so much detail and line work that you never really saw so um, go back and watch that um, that blu-ray because like you'll see again so much detail just in Megatron's face right before he gets reformatted into uh, uh, Galvatron there. It's just, uh, just uh, um, incredible. But uh, Transformers the movie was also the first mainstream animated movie to advertise celebrity voice casting. Sure, there had been plenty of animated movies uh, with, uh, uh, with celebrity voice actors, but this was the first one, and I had to do some research to kind of sharpshoot this, but this was the first one to throw it on the poster and on the ads and right there where it's like, you know, starring Leonard Nimoy, starring Judd Nelson, starring uh, Orson Welles. And, you know, we, we see that as a very common practice today uh, with, you know, at, at, you know, name your movie, it's highlighted with the celebrity voice casting. You know, it's like, who's in this? Not necessarily the content of the, uh, <laughs> content of the movie. 
Um, so we got to talk about the music, right? I mean, you can't talk about Transformers the movie, and especially the legacy of Transformers the movie, without talking about the music. So uh, the soundtrack for Transformers the movie is as iconic as the movie itself. 86 minutes of wall-to-wall -wall music. There is not a single moment of silence in this movie, uh, you know, from uh, Vince DiCola's synth-heavy score uh, to, you know, the, the heavy metal, the prog rock to the pop rock songs and a Weird Al song thrown in there, which totally fits in the scene that it's in, in context. Um, I mean, it's, it's a series of 80s-fueled music videos, right? Um, and the soundtrack captures the mood of the far-flung future of 2005 through that kaleidoscope of 1986. It, it sounds distinctly unique, um, and some of those songs have gone on to have a legacy of their own, like obviously the, the big one being The Touch from uh, Stan Bush being featured in Boogie Nights. Now, one thing about that that cracks me up is so you get Marky Mark Wahlberg to be in, in, your, in your number four uh, Michael Bay movie, uh, Age of Extinction. Um, and so he's in there. He can't turn on a radio in his beat-up truck and have the touch come on? Come on, man. Um, that, it's like, you know, throw me a bone because I'm not really getting a whole lot else from, <laughs> from this particular movie. But yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's just one of the huge uh, legacies from uh, the soundtrack. Now, uh, one of the criticisms of Transformers the movie is that it's basically a 90-minute commercial, right? And that's true. I, I'm, I'm not going to dispute that. In fact, I think that's kind of baked in as part of the legacy. Uh, we see that, cr uh, that crass consumerism, you know, in the Michael Bay movies, you know, in that same movie I was just talking about. Marky Mark Wahlberg uh, uh, cracks a Bud Light on the, on the trunk of a, of a truck there. Um, you know, aggressive pro uh, product placement. But Transformers, the movie, went a step even further to get you to buy new toys uh, by killing off discontinued characters to make way for new ones, uh, but also creating uh, dramatic tension and obviously uh, very real stakes. When you see the shuttle attack, you know that we're playing for keeps. You know, so it's, it, it, it has a dual purpose. It crosses off all of the old products, so you got to buy new ones, but it's like, whoa, there's, there's some real, real stakes here. Um, and that ties into um, another thing that made Transformers the movie unique at the time. Um, it's PG, uh, PG rating, uh, which uh, leads to the other thing that Transformers the movie is remembered for, aside from the death of Optimus Prime, it's the swearing. Um, and ironically enough, it's the two swear words that earned that PG rating having nothing to do with the violence. Uh, the MPAA was like fine with the violence, but yeah, once you throw in some swears, it's like, well, because like the filmmakers wanted a PG rating. So they're like, well, what do we got to do? We've, we've got like all of these fan favorite characters getting massacred brutally. What do we do? Throw some cursing in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's your PG rating. Um, let's see. And, you know, th and there was a specific reason for doing that. They wanted to have more showings of the movie later in the day. So at the time, G-rated movies were shown in the morning, didn't have nearly as many showings. So they thought with a PG rating, one, it would kind of appeal to an older audience, teenagers, college kids, um, and that it would play more. Um, the problem is that 
is in the marketing. Like, you know, way back at the beginning, I was talking about all of these uh, commercials that got my attention because I was a Transformers fan. It didn't necessarily do anything to reach out to those older kids of like, oh, you need to watch this. Because like two years in the making, spectacular widescreen animation, what that doesn't say anything to a high school kid. You gotta have like, this movie is so metal. We're gonna like massacre these men and men and men and men and yeah, no, and they're swearing too, men and men and men. Yeah, no, it just uh I, I think they just marketed it wrong, and that's why it didn't necessarily uh, click with audiences. Um, but what I think really helped the movie earn its cult status is what, wh what we're talking about here today, is those older kids would eventually find it on home video. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because, like, older kids found it, but then folks like me found it also. Like, uh, one of my also uh, vivid memories, aside from... Uh, seeing the movie in the theater the couple times, like I told you, was that um, uh, every year on my birthday, for, for a good handful of years, you know, we would have the birthday party and my mom would rent Transformers the movie for me. So I would watch that in, uh, in September around my birthday. And so, yeah, it's, as I said earlier, it's, it's a movie that's never not been with me. So, um, anyway, and then... And then I think it, some of that cult following came from when it was out of print and harder to find. You know, it, it, like uh, I, I remember being in high school where it's like, oh, you got a copy of the movie? Where'd you get that? You know, um, so anyway, I, I, think, I think the reason why uh, Transformers the movie has such the cult status that it has today is just, it's a bizarre oddity. It's a weird movie. It, um, objectively, it's not especially great. You know, it's like, you know, filmmaking, screenwriting, or whatever. Um, it's got about 55%-ish uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is fair. Um, that's certainly like twice to three times what those uh, Michael Bay movies are. And, you know, I've learned as I've kind of gotten more involved with the fandom to be more accepting of other people's jams. It's like, you know, that, uh, that movie, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it, so... There's a reason why Transformers the movie has the longevity that other kids' movies don't. I mean, they put G.I. Joe the movie out on Blu-ray eventually, uh, but it's not cleaned up, it's not restored. Uh, that, that commentary track from Buzz Dixon is fine. <laughs> um, but, I don't know, it just, it just has not gotten the same attention that Transformers the movie did because like we, we're, what, on our second or third um, uh, premium release, whether it's DVD, Blu-ray, or whatever. Um, anybody go to that uh, that Fathom Events uh, thing last year in September? No, you missed out. Oh, sorry. But so the the thing that I wanted to mention about that is that um, with that event last year, uh, Transformers the movie finally made its production budget back. Um, it only took 32 years, but that exhibition brought in $619,000 in the 700 theaters it was in, bringing Transformers the movie Lifetime box office to $6.4 million. So um, I'm going to stop there because, like, I, again, I've got more notes, but I want to open up the floor in the time that we have left if there's anything that you would like to share and talk about and anybody that gets to share something gets a turn at the almighty prize box. So,
You've been very anxious. Is there something you'd like to talk about and share? I, I was watching a video about Transformers the movie, and I found out that the, the actor that voiced Unicron, that was his last role before he died. Yes. That was the best role. <laughs> I agree with you. Give it up. Give it up. That was an awesome point. And yes, I love the dab. Feel free and grab something out of the prize box. And yeah, so uh, that was Orson Welles' last role. It was also Scatman Crothers' last role who played jazz. And um, uh, Orson Welles had famously had really nothing positive to say about his experience at Transformers the movie. And you know, the, the, the phrasing changes depending upon what resource you're looking for, but mostly it's like, well, Today, I played a planet, the menace is something or some such. I think the Japanese have this new cartoon, and then I tear myself apart. Frozen peas. <laughs> and just, yeah, just, yeah, so, um, yeah, Orson Welles uh, passed away, I want to say, like, about a month or so um, after recording his lines. I don't happen to have it in front of me, but... Um, yeah, because I, mean, I mean, I I remember there being uh, some scuttlebutt at the time that maybe uh, Mr. Wells had passed away before finishing his lines, and that there was rumors that Leonard Nimoy had actually finished the Unicron lines. And um, Susan Blue, uh, another voice actor, voiced RC, uh, happened to mention that she's like, "Now nah, I was there in the booth that he recorded all of his lines. It's all there. Leonard never recorded anything for the movie." So. Um, so there's that. Um, so microphone's open. Who, uh, who else would like to share an experience or story or opportunity with uh, uh, Transformers? And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know where you're from. All right. I'm actually, I'll use my screen name. I'm Dave on the allspark.com. Oh, cool. Anyways, my... I remember at growing up always I never I was a little too young to go see it in the theater. I was but three when it came out. Okay. So basically but like for years upon years all the time going to the video rental store, at least probably twice a month we yeah. get Transformers the movie. Right. And by now me and surprisingly, all my brothers can actually pretty much recite this movie line for line almost. Right. So, but I mean, the thing that gets me is like, this was like the first cartoon movie that really changed the stakes of the actual cartoon. Absolutely. So, I mean, G.I. Joe eventually, yeah. But I mean, we have that whole famous thing where he's in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> He slipped into a coma. And incidentally, quick, quick aside there, I'm sure you were going to tell the same story, but yeah, um, originally they were going to kill Duke first. Exactly. So really we have the death of Optimus Prime. We have um, uh, Buzz Dixon to blame for that because he had convinced Hasbro to let them kill Duke in the G.I. Joe movie, which was going to come out first. Hasbro was really nervous about it. They're like, eh, I don't know, man. So, but we've got this Transformers movie that we're working on also. Why don't we try that first? Why, why don't we try to kill off Optimus Prime first and see how the kiddos react to that? To which they went to writer Ron Friedman, who famously 
did not want to do it. In fact, he wrote a book about it called I Killed Optimus Prime, So Sue Me, um, to where like he was, um, he was, he was adamantly resistant to it. He's like, this doesn't make sense. Why would you take the father figure out of the equation? And at the time, totally understand where he was coming from. But in retrospect, it's really kind of like the death of Optimus Prime that kind of gives that movie extra gravitas and weight and significance to it. But yeah, with uh, so... Transformers the movie was a huge box office bomb, and they're like, well, we're not killing Duke now. Um, he slipped into a coma. And then you get to the end of that movie, and they're like, Duke is okay! <laughs> it, was, it, was just, it was just ridiculous. And, and another thing on G.I. Joe the movie, and I, I don't want to, you know, kind of build something up by tearing something else down, but um, G.I. Joe the movie doesn't really move the needle. It's like, you know, sure, Cobra Commander, spoilers, turns into a snake, but that's really about it. Nobody really dies. Nobody, nothing really happens. In Star of the Deke season, he comes right back. Exactly. Um, so any, uh, any other particular, uh, what's your favorite scene? What, uh, if you had to narrow it down, what would you say is like your, your most iconic moment of uh, Transformers the movie? See, now we're getting being to it. a weird Al fan is probably the whole dare to be stupid scene. Well, like, and 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 it totally works because it's um, we're on the junk planet, and you know their their entire culture and way of speaking is based upon Earth pop culture, and it's all junk and you know junk bonds and all that other stuff that was going on at the time. I talk TV, you talk TV. <laughs> I talk some TV too. And now the news. Don't touch that dial. Um, anything else you'd like to like to share? Uh, I don't know. About the only thing else I can really come to mind is that my first CD was the soundtrack for Transformers the movie. Absolutely, that's a, and and that's a killer soundtrack. I um I I just listened to it just the other day. It's 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 pretty fantastic. Very cool. Still the best version of the theme song to me. I agree with you. Well, thank you so much. Feel free and grab something out of the uh, prize box. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we've uh, we've still got a couple more minutes. Nobody has come to kick us out yet. If uh, if you want to come up and share a uh, story, or even like ask questions, because like I, I guess I was imagining that somebody was going to ask because there, there was there was like a whole arm of minutia and trivia that I didn't get into. But like you know, if we want to talk about like which one Cyclonus was, I guess we can unpack some of that. But. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, we can... Galvatron, wasn't it? Or, um, um, uh, Cyclonus was, um... Well, it was either, it was either Bombshell or Skywarp, depending upon yeah. who you ask. And, and the thing I wanted to share with that, in case somebody brought it up, is uh, two things. One, I don't know if anybody saw uh, Ryan King's uh, script panel earlier. That was, that was a lot of fun. I had not seen that Bombshell uh, storyboard before. So, yeah, so that kind of definitively uh, says it, right? Because, cause, yeah, so there is a storyboard that shows Bombshell being reformatted into Cyclonus. I had never seen that before. But the perspective I was going to share is that, um, you know, because, like, I've been to a couple different conventions with, like, both uh, Flint Dilly, who is the story consultant who basically rewrote the movie, and then also uh, Ron, Ron Friedman, who wrote the first 
bananas, bonkers, psychedelic version of the script. If you have not read Ron Friedman's uh, script for Transformers the movie, go to tfraw.com and find it because it is 190 pages of bonkers. It's, it is like the craziest version of Transformers. I would like them to make that movie because it is, it is just so bug nuts crazy. But where I was going with that is that in no version of the script is it mentioned which one uh, turns into Cyclonus because uh, very briefly the uh, reformatted Decepticons came from a completely different place entirely. That scene plays out completely differently. There was, a, there was like a Hall of Heroes on Cybertron and like old uh, ancient warriors, their sparks were encased in these urns. Um, and basically during the fight for leadership amongst the Decepticons, these statues and urns are broken and those sparks go up into, uh, up into space and that is what's collected by Unicron and then reformatted into Cyclonus and his armada and uh, 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 Scourge the Huntsman and, his, uh, and the Sweeps. So, so there, there was no real spot for, well, you know, this one is Bombshell, you know, this is, uh, this is Skywarp. And incidentally, I'm cool with Cyclonus being Bombshell because, like, I, I went through a phase where it's like, well, you know, Skywarp was a purple jet. He was kind of cool, but I, I've really warmed up on Bob Shell. He was a, he was a really cool character with the Cerebro shells and just had had a lot to do. Skywarp just kind of like transported a lot. But anyway, I'm sorry, Scott. I I, I kind of uh, uh, kind of butted in on your time. What's uh, what's on it's your mind? Your today? show, man. It's all good. <laughs> so uh, for me, when I was a I was a kid, I was actually a few years older than you. So okay. Uh, 86, I was, what, 12 years old? Oh, wow, like okay. So, so you were one of those older kids that maybe they were marketing towards. I was. Actually, at the time before, it was an interesting thing, because um, before the movie came out, I was actually a bigger G.I. Joe and Star Wars fans than I was Transformers. I, did, sure. I had some of it, but most, it was most of my friends that had all the Transformers that came about. But I did one of my favorite characters, of course, Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and... You know, I I did watch the the cartoon mm -hmm. tagged along with played out uh, same time as uh, right after GI Joe. Usually when I got home from school, yeah, 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 it was usually on right after. So, and the reason I uh, I brought that up is because I had a love hate relationship with the movie. I okay. first saw it, and I was one of the kids that was crushed when Optimus Prime died, and when all my favorites from season one and season two died. Sure. And I had to mull it over for a couple months. It was end of su it was end of summer. Went to school, and my birthday happens to be in December. And it wasn't until then when my parents brought me some of the new toys that came out. I got Cup and I got Rodimus Prime, and I thought they were, you know, I kind of kind of did a, a second think about it. Yeah. And really started to collect more of that, and then yeah. I started watching, you know, the cartoon season three and. It was like, okay, well, this is really a lot better. I liked really that they continued the story from the movie yeah. with, like, Starscream's ghost, and mm -hmm. they were on Cybertron a lot more, and so it was kind of like I realized that it was okay to completely change the format and get a new spin on what you were seeing, and that there was all these other stories and characters that had cool background stories. And, um, it just became, you know... I, I fell in love and uh, back with it then. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, well, and season three was just so... Yeah, because, again, it's in the far-flung future of 2005. You can tell more sci-fi-driven stories as opposed to, like, oh, it's the fight for Energon again. You know, and, and incidentally, just uh, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, there's... Um, the, the movie starts with Optimus Prime saying, like, you know, Ironhide's like, when are we going to start busting Deceptor Chops? And Optimus Prime says, we don't have enough Energon cubes to power a full-scale assault. And I remember when I was a, a kid, that line really blew my hair back because we hadn't seen the Autobots use Energon cubes. That, that was a completely, uh, that was a, a Decepticon innovation. So I guess as the war escalated, they must have adapted to new technologies. But I just, I just thought about that from a different perspective uh, uh, very, very recently. And yeah, it was, just, it was just strange. But yeah, I mean, starting with the movie and going into season three, it's like, it, it's officially a sci-fi show. And yeah, and I think that is what appealed to older kids. Because um, it's, you know, more mature storytelling and uh and a lot of fun to be had um so uh so if you were to pick what would you say your uh, favorite sequence of the movie is or or favorite aspect or anything in particular on that i think that megatron finally busted starscream's bitchy ass absolutely <laughs> well and it's funny because starscream now again i had the opportunity to uh we went to the the fathom events uh showing so it was the first time since 1986 that i had seen the movie in a theater with an audience and starscream steals the show it's like and and his stuff got the biggest response from uh from the from the audience so basically what happens is like, you know, uh, Megatron's like, you're an idiot, Starscream. Audience just erupts in laughter. And when he ultimately gets his comeuppance, uh, spoilers, um, and again, that, that was like a huge crowd cheering moment because it's like, yeah, finally, finally. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was definitely um, a great scene and, uh, and a great sequence. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for uh, jumping on with us. Feel free and grab something from the uh, uh, prize box if you'd like. I, I just also wanted to say, with with Starscream doing that and becoming yeah. a ghost, it created such interesting uh, storytelling in season three. Yeah. As he was now able to possess other robots. Yeah. Like, uh, um, uh, I keep wanting to call it Andres because that's a third party version of Octane. Scor uh, Scorch. Oh, oh, sure, sure. Scorch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Driving them nuts and stuff. I thought it was really neat. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks a lot, Scott. Appreciate you. All right. So you guys have been hanging out. Uh, anything you would like to uh, share with regards to the movie before uh, before we get out of here? Okay. Well, c come on up. Come on up. Don't be shy. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah. Your ratchet is on point, by the way. I, I really appreciate it. The, this one or the one I usually wear? Which is the one you usually wear? I don't know if I'm well, familiar. Well, this is actually something why I wanted to come up and say this. And the reason why I love this fandom yeah. is just because of its sheer diversity. This Absolutely. is the only fandom that I know of that I can cosplay the same character in three different ways at the same convention. <laughs> you can start out with the comics, hollow yeah. form, like I've got on right yeah. now. G1, which is my main one, which I have with me, but I wasn't wearing today. 
and you know, movieverse, easy enough to do. You've got all three right off the right off the top, just boom. By the way, I'm Shannon, otherwise known as uh, Merwin M1066. Mm -hmm. I came down from a teeny little town called Gibson's, just outside of Vancouver. Oh wow! Well, welcome. So, Thank you for coming down. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. As always, this is my six side fest. I think. I think so because it's been the sixth one. Six. So this will be my <laughs> seventh trip down. So. Very cool. It's been awesome. Very nice. So, so let me ask you this: uh, what, what is it about Ratchet that 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 speaks to you? Because he's he's kind of different depending upon. And and uh, sorry because R.I.P. in the movie, but uh, yeah, sad. But 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 Ratchet does have like a cool sequence. I like that he he's the gunslinger for a couple seconds. He's got like he's dual wielding and he's really kind of pouring it on. He's totally kicking it. And, and I think the only reason why Ratchet dies is because he gets distracted by Ironhide getting getting riddled next to him. If you watch it, he turns his head and then gets smoked by all the but anyway. Yeah, that's exactly it. I like Ratchet because although he's crusty and cranky, he's got a heart of gold. Absolutely. Let's face it. <laughs> he's a medic through and through. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing and for hanging out with us. Uh, it, it was great having you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Please feel free and grab something from the prize box on your, on your way out. How about you, young camper? Would you like to share anything before, uh, before we pack up? Oh no, here comes the heavy. I think Ben's gonna pack us up and Wait, no. it's like it's like you done, son. Well well we've just been talking about the movie and what it means to us and kind of sharing some of our favorite moments. Oh from the Michael Bay movies? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I love Right that. now there's a whole crowd of people listening going, boo. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. I hate that guy. <laughs> it's again, though I think Scott, it was because from my interactions with you and some other folks that, you know, I I think I'm kind of pouring out some of my haterade for the movies because, again, without those Michael Bay movies, we're not here today. You know, I mean, think of the influx of fan awareness and just sheer cash going into the Hasbro coffers. That's how I've always viewed it is. Yeah. You, got, you have more money coming in and more people who are now aware of that Transformers yeah. is still a thing. Because, you know, I remember 10, 15 years ago before the, before the live-action movies, you'd sit yeah. there and go, oh, I'm really into Transformers. And like, oh, is that still a thing? I'm like, yeah, it's still a thing. Yeah, Come on. Yeah. Like, still had, like, at that point, like, five or six different series. So, yeah, yeah it's surprising that, you know, some people are, like, not aware of it still. But The movies brought you back into the fandom, Scott. And Scott, incidentally... The live-action movies? Right. Yeah, see, and, and there's... And there's a lot of folks where it's their Transformers. So, like, you know, I spent all of this time talking about my memories of seeing Transformers the movie. There are folks that were also seven or eight years old now that those movies are their Transformers. And That's their G1. Exactly. And, and I can't take that away from them. I, I feel bad for them. Sometimes. You can mock them, but you can't <laughs> take it away. Exactly. Exactly. But like, um, what's wrong with you? But <laughs> it's yours. But uh, but uh, uh, secret guest star Ben Harpold coming up to the <laughs> mic. Uh, what, uh, what what would you like to share about uh, Transformers the movie? I remember uh, seeing it opening day, okay, and walking into the theater. Um, right now we're we're in Kent, Washington, and the theater was just up the street, okay, like literally up the hill from here. It's no longer hey. a theater. Uh, Kent Six Cinemas, 
And uh, I remember coming in and watching some of my brother's friends exit the theater. And they said, guess what? They said the word shit. (laughs) 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 And I was eight. Gotta get that PG rating. Yeah. And then then they go, and Optimus Prime dies. I'm like, huh? (laughs) Like, like, my brother's friends would mess with me there because they were older than me. So I figured, like, okay, they're just messing with me. Um, And I was... So I was kind of prepared for it, but kind yeah. of heartbroken. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's like kind of... <laughs> I, I just I agree. Wrong, you rock! So yeah, that, that's kind of like that, my memory of it. And then... Uh, Live podcast. I remember renting the crap out of that at the local video store. Yeah. Which I, ended up becoming the first job I ever had. I worked at that video store. And when they went out of business, I bought that VH test tape that that I printed so many times, <laughs> and I still have it. It's in my, my, my collection. Oh, that's awesome. Um, as well as several of the episode tapes, which is cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, w- it, was, it was pretty awesome, and I would play it in the, in the, in the store, because <laughs> it was going out of business, so nobody cared. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, uh, I know that it was like kind of the downward swing for the popularity of Transformers, because... Season three didn't seem to be as popular as season two. Right. Um, you kill off a whole bunch of your favorite characters, and yeah, some people are going to turn away from it. But um, you know, looking at it in hindsight, it's like it's it's a crazy, awesome movie, and um, I have I have my issues with it. Oh sure, it, it's by no means perfect. Yeah. I mean, don't my issue is the pacing. The pacing of the movie, like the first half hour, yeah. the whole Earth scene. Is it's just top notch. It's just, just yep. you're ru- it's running at the at the tempo of the music that is the soundtrack, yeah. and then, um, and then once it kind of once the characters start separating, you've I felt a little like okay, I'm following this character now, I'm following this guy, and it just felt like it jumped back and forth. Yeah, I know my wife has seen it several times uh, against her will, and <laughs> uh, it used to be my tradition to watch it New Year's Eve. Okay, um, all right, because I'm so cool. That on New Year's Eve, instead of going to a party, <laughs> I, I watch Transformers the movie. I love this. Uh, that's how uh, how cool I am. <laughs> and my wife, you know, was at the time my girlfriend and all that. And she was like, okay, whatever. She fell asleep during it every time. And uh, and I remember where every time we watch it, she's like, I don't know who any of these characters are. And I'd have to kind of like re-explain it to her. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, so, yeah, there's that. And then, then sharing it with my son, you know, once he was old enough to hear the word shit, and I still kind of, like, interrupted during that moment because, yeah. you know, my son's nine, and so far he has not said that word, and I would like to keep it going as long as possible. Right. But uh, <laughs> I figured, you know, it's like, holy, hey, Statler, in the, in the, <laughs> the next, the next line, the like, oh, oh, what's that? look over there, huh? <laughs> Same thing I do in the car, listening to music that has like a swear word. It's oh just sure. like all of a sudden the audio cuts out real quick, and uh, <laughs> he doesn't question it. He doesn't sit there and go, "I know you're just muting the song, but right. um, <laughs> I'm on to you, father." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, the Transformers has been like such a huge, uh, huge part of like my childhood, and then yeah. my 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 twenties and thirties, and now my my child is into it, and yeah. PG, his first PG thirteen movie, Bumblebee, right? And that is is cool. That that I can that will never change. 
Mm-hmm. You know, his favorite movie will change, his, what he's into will change, but that's something that will be epic. Just like, you know, me seeing that movie was like, I think, I think Transformers the movie was the first movie I ever saw on opening day. Sure. I think I, I think um, if that's not true, I'm going to uh, retcon that as my history. <laughs> so um, that that's my history. <laughs> I, that was the first movie I ever saw opening day. <laughs> I don't care if it's true or not; it's true now. I, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You could do retcon and Mandela effect and yeah, and yeah. all of that. that uh, no, that's 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 awesome. Uh, very cool. Well, um, so as uh, as we get even closer to wrapping up, I'm surprised nobody has come to say like, you know what? You mean uh, like an owner organizer coming in and you know, <gasps> doing, yeah. When you when you get them talking, things don't end. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> you could be here all night until Ken Collins goes, hey. But he's, he got, you got to leave. Is that when they like flick the lights on and on? Yeah, yeah. Click, yeah. Click, click, click. I mean, nobody. All of a sudden, like there's police officers escorting us out. We're just talking about transformers, <laughs> man. Exactly. <laughs> um, let me see. So I, I guess I'd like to ask you: What um, do you have a particular favorite moment or particular sequence of the movie? Um, I, you know, I, it, there was just this brief moment. I was like, "What would it be?" And then I thought. That scene where uh, Daniel's riding on the hoverboard and then yeah. Hot Rod's racing after him and Dare is playing. Yeah. Oh man, that that to me is just like it just gave me chills. It's just I love that song. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that you know it just kind of has this cool. I like. I wish I was that kid. And totally. So, and so that's cool. My wife's favorite moment, and she actually, <laughs> believe it or not, has a favorite moment in Transformers the movie. Okay. Uh, it's the underwater uh, scene on Quintessa. She, yeah. She's an oceanographer, so she, the role of fish are awesome to her. Um, oh, nice. You know, and I don't know what my son's favorite. I mean, he's seen the movie a couple times, yeah. but I don't know. I haven't really, he hasn't really declared what his favorite moments are. Interesting. Maybe, uh, maybe he's got to take another... Another uh, another couple, uh, another, a couple another, viewings. Yeah, a couple other viewings to kind of like latch onto it. So um, so a, a couple things while while we're here, just kind of rapping and, and sure. laughing about it. Um, one of one of my favorite sequences, and one you mentioned you mentioned Dare. Yeah. And Dare, aside from well, not even the theme song. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to edit that it, For the listeners, somebody just left the exactly, room. Exactly, exactly. Um, and she's come back. Oh, yes. Yes, light the darkest hour till all are one. I love that. I saw that earlier and I forgot to shout that out. You have an awesome uh, 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 ratchet who we heard from earlier has uh, the Matrix of Leadership tattooed on her, uh, uh, on her right forearm, and it is amazing. You're the best. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. <laughs> yeah, she's one of our favorite cosplayers. Oh, yeah, she's, she's great. I just had the opportunity to meet her just now. So, uh, so yeah, fun times. Um, but, yeah, so with Dare, uh, that's the only song that was written specifically for the movie. Like, The Touch was originally written for uh, uh, Cobra, <laughs> originally. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, um, so it was... It was Stan Bush, it was Vince DiCola, and they wrote it specifically for this movie. And that's, I think, what... That's the one I go to. I like the touch just fine, but yeah, yeah like you, Dare is my jam. But my favorite sequence, and, and I, I still get a little bit of a tingle, and my hair kind of raises on the back of my neck a little bit, is like, so shortly after that sequence, uh, during the beginning of the Decepticon siege, 
and you have uh, um, Lookout Mountain is destroyed, and you know uh, Daniel and Hot Rod are falling off. You know, uh, Hot Rod's kind of cradling Daniel close so he doesn't get squished. Um, but the whole time, the the uh, the bridge, the mid part of Dare is playing on the loop. It's da 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 da, da. and then uh, Blitzwing comes in, and Shrapnel comes in, and it's the part where. Uh, Blitzwing transforms into tank mode, and you see through his scope, he's like, come oh, on yeah. down, Auto Brat. And when it kicks, when Dare comes in and, like, Cup comes in... Oh, yeah, and, and swings on the, yeah, on the turret. swings on the turret, and um, quick note of trivia on that, that part where Cup grabs onto the barrel and swings around, that's the only stereo effect in the original audio mix of the movie. Really? And I remember this from being seven years old when like, his hands grab onto it. It happened in the rear speakers behind me. So it goes clap, and I'm like, what? Because I, I hadn't heard anything like that. It was just so distinctive. I'm just like, what is that? And so like that whole sequence... That's what's always stuck with me. I mean, I mean, again, I I could wax philosophically, literally, as much as the day is long about all these different types of moments that I like from the movie. Mm -hmm. But I think if I had to narrow it down, and I'm making myself do that now, I, I think it would be that. It's it's just something about like the the um, it's probably like the most Transformers the movie thing because it's the convergence of the music and the animation and what the characters are doing and yeah it just um, and, that, and that movie is like wall to wall music yeah and it, I don't think, I can't think of very many movies if any right now off the top of my head that is that consistent no. with music that there's usually some sort of you know low where, where it's dialogue and the and, it and stuff. It's just just this constant uh, yeah. thing, and the music's great. Vince oh, yeah. does a great job, and it's absolutely it's a style of music that you don't hear as a soundtrack very often anymore. No, I mean, because yeah, I mean, now it's mostly orchestral. Yeah, and you know, I I could I could deal with more synthesizer scores because it's great and it adds to the flavor and texture of what makes that movie iconic. And again, like, you know, I, I was kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, looking down on G.I. Joe the movie. Um, one of the reasons why I kind of looked down on it is because... No synthesizers? No synthesizers. <laughs> They're using the same music from the cartoon. So right. it's all... And it's fine, but it just, again, it's kind of like the Star Trek Generations problem. It just... it. It just feels like an expanded episode with slightly better animation. So well, significantly better. And animation. now I kind of want to see what um, Citizen Kane would look like with synthesizer background music. <laughs> <laughs> I love. That. I love that movie. I love that. I love that movie. So uh, you know, I'm a big classic film thing. But now yeah. I want to hear all those with like just overtly synthesizer <laughs> music. <laughs> like what? What? What is black and white? drama with, you know, 80s sci-fi <laughs> <sci> music. <laughs> Casablanca. <laughs> it. I great. love it. I, I, I think this legislation needs to happen. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, I tell you what, Ben, I, I'm looking around and I'm seeing, uh, I see him, Jason over there, he's got like tubs of stuff that he's packed up. I think, I think it's probably time, about time to uh, cut it, but um, I, I don't remember if I've said this before. I have a uh, nice gentleman in the audience that's been hanging out with us the whole time. Did you have anything that you would like to share about the movie before before we close out? Come yeah, on come up. on up. Come on up. Don't be shy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, what's your name and where are you from? Oh, uh, I'm Kristen. I'm visiting him from Seattle. 
Very cool. So, um, so we've been talking a lot about about the movie and what it means to us and what makes it special. What what makes this movie important to you? Um, no, it's <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I did enjoy it though. I, I finally uh, I didn't get to see it back in '86 when I wanted to. Uh huh. But uh, I finally got to go and see it for, for the very first time in uh, 1999. It was uh, one of my intermittent roommates had uh, bought it from a convention on video cassette, and then I finally got to see it then. And um, that's the first time I saw it. And then I finally found out that, that where I Yankovic had a has a scene in there with Dare to Be Stupid, and I, I never knew that back then. Yeah. And uh, I've been a fan of Weird Al since uh, 88, so... Oh, cool. I finally got, got to see him in concert in uh, 13. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he sure does. So, yeah, well, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to go to his uh, concert uh, next month at the Paramount. Yeah, I think they're all sold out by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and those tickets went quick, unfortunately. I, I missed out on that, too. Yeah, I was, well, was going to do an all-or-nothing thing. I was either uh, paid for the ticket to meet him or just not bother this time around. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I got to meet him at uh, BotCon. He is, he is as nice as you hope. Yeah. Uh, I got to meet him at BotCon, and he's really as, as nice as you hope he would be. And I had I went and saw him, uh, it was like 93, 94. It was after the Off the Deep End album came okay. out. And he did this acoustic song, and he smashes the guitar on stage. Uh, acoustic guitar on stage. Never plays it, just smashes it. Um, and then after the show, my friends were kind of hanging out, and... He kind of opens the back door and he just tosses out chunks of the guitar. Oh my gosh! And uh, that sounds dangerous. Well, well, yeah, it was just kind of like onto the ground, and then yeah, there yeah. was just this mad dashboard. So I got a piece of his guitar. Oh, cool! It's like the pit guard, uh, which is like pl plastic piece that goes over the uh, over the wood. And I still had it. And when I met him, I brought that to to have him sign it. Yeah. And I I laid it down there and and without any context and he was just confused. Then I explained the whole story and he's just like, You kept that? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, okay dude. <laughs> he signed it and it was That's amazing. Yeah, it was really it. cool. I mean the, that concert was really fascinating because it was right after Kurt Cobain died. Sure. And so when they played uh, Smells Like Nirvana, yeah, it was yeah. like it was actually this emotional experience yeah, in, the, yeah. in the concert hall. So yeah, it was pretty it was a pretty cool thing and uh, yeah. Anyway, pretty I didn't cool. mean to take your opportunity. <laughs> right, uh, well I, I it's just kinda of tough for me to come up with thoughts, but uh, anyway um, yeah but then I uh, well there wasn't really much I, I picked up on it the first time I saw it, but uh, then the second time I saw it was about 15 years later. I, I was uh, getting ready to meet uh, Michael McConaughey okay. who, uh, um, at, at the, uh, the 2014 AkiCon, and I didn't know he, his voice wasn't in there because I was watching on a little three-inch screen on YouTube mm -hmm. before the, um, YouTube came and started deleting all, all the videos because <laughs> of copyright <laughs> infringement. And uh, so then when I was watching the... Um, uh, that was, uh, I was thinking about when I was watching it back then. That's the first time I noticed when... Um, uh, so it was Spike, the, the guy yeah. that uh, that said, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was it like, "Oh, I didn't before." Oh shit! What are we gonna do now? <laughs> yeah, that will be like language. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Put a dollar in the swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, so finally, I got to see it on the big screen yeah. uh, last uh, September twenty seventh ah, uh, yeah. at the South Center Mall, and I uh, was happy I got to do that and. Uh, well, I took a look at the credits and found out that uh, Michael McConaughey wasn't in there. I was like, oh, oh well. But there's yeah. still a lot of notable names in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how, how was it watching it with an audience? Um, the, well, it was an audience more than just one uh, other person besides me. Ah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was pretty interesting to do. 
Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, That's cool. I like how afterwards they had a, uh, an interview with uh, Stan Bush and his uh, just two, uh, the two songs they did for the movie. That's right. That's right. That acoustic performance after the credits. I I forgot about that. Uh, homeboy's looking rough. <laughs> I feel bad for Stan Bush sometimes, but anyway. Uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing. Um, uh, grab something out of the prize box on your on your way out. Uh, sure. Thanks a lot. Welcome. All right. All right. So there's there's one remaining camper in the audience. Uh, the executive producer uh, Lucky, would you like to uh, share some insight on the microphone about Transformers the movie? Oh. Talking to this thing. There we go. There you go. Let's see. I saw it on what September 27th. Uh huh. On the big screen. Yep. It was a lot of fun. It was a um, what? It was. It kind of. It does blow you away. It does. Thanks, between the music and everything else, yeah. like you said, it's from beginning to end, and to watch the whole thing, and to watch the nerds in the audience react to different perspectives of the whole thing was awesome. So. Yeah. Glad I got to do that. So you've you've lived with me in this movie for some time. Did did that viewing give you any glimmer of insight why this movie resonates with me so much and why why it's such a big deal to me? Yes. As you as a kid, yes, I could imagine just going to a theater by yourself and having the swear words and just having that music and just yeah imagining the whole thing that would have been awesome to have done at that time very cool well You're uh still a nerd yeah well absolutely absolutely well and again while while i'm here talking publicly you're a nerd by association she's <laughs> <laughs> a nerd by marriage yeah <laughs> but but thank you so much for all of your help uh you've been uh, helping me do uh mic work and of course being my uh, sounding board for getting all of my materials together and just being awesome and i appreciate the hell out of it thank you so much i love you and, and thanks for coming to Sidefest. Yeah. Even though we probably would not have come unless he dragged you here. Nah. <laughs> okay. Well then, then thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so, so Mike, I'm yeah. going to ask you a question. Of course. Please. So now, I mean, we are at, our, we are at the end of Sidefest. So <laughs> literally, and this is and this is the first time you've been here the entire day. That's true. Correct. Yeah. How how, how was it? Amazing. Um, you know the the just the scale of everything between um uh david cabian here and what an awesome dude by the way in fact oh, he's I, as nice I, as you want him to be as, as you and i were chatting here he happened to be making his way out and he gives me like the salute and the point and i'm just like oh witness <laughs> it was it was it was great he's he was actually just telling you your fly was down good on you but look but yeah i mean you know like uh between uh scott bringing bumblebee down for folks to look at yes and mahalo mike and all of his blind bags which were half gone before general admission even started yeah um everybody that i talked to uh was doing really well on the dealer floor um on both sides of the table you know uh dealers were doing great uh, fans were doing great. I got a sack full of alternators that, I, that I've been looking for. Nice. <laughs> I mean, Those um, are awesome figures. And I would, I, that's a line that I, I wish could have continued. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I love the detail in them. Masterpiece is definitely filling in that void. Sure. But, but I kn that was like the masterpiece before masterpiece. And, exactly. And I still have 
as much as I've gotten rid of a lot of different uh, figure lines and stuff like that, the alternators I kept. And the alternators were the first figures I ever bought more than one of the same figure. Oh, wow. So they were coming out so slow. I remember when Smokescreen came out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is such a great figure. But it's the only one. So I'm like, well, you know what? This is such a cool vehicle mode yeah. and a cool mobile mode. But it's a pain in the ass to transform. It really is. So I'm going to buy uh, one each so I can display it. And so for the longest time, I had two of each one. And towards the end of the line, I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. I only have so much space. But uh, there was a dealer at CybeCon who did a bunch of customs. Okay. And I bought a ton of his customs online. Um, and then I later was like, okay, I've got Masterpiece now. So then I auctioned or raffled the, the customs off. And uh, he was it was happy to see them go to a lot of different homes. Uh, I kept the Bumblebee one, which might come as a surprise. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, it's I'm 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 glad I, I read online that you were looking for your alternators. And yeah, so I'm glad you were <laughs> able to find some. I did. So yeah, I mean, I, at packed dealer room, uh, everybody seemed to be happy. So uh, kudos to you and the team for putting on an amazing SciFest 2019. This was this was one for the books, man. This was our best year. And I don't and I think that uh, I wouldn't say it's our best year by a long shot. I mean, I think we're we're estimating at least 350 came through. Whoa. Uh, which is a good 100 to 150 over yeah. previous years. Um, it was crowded. Our first year was in a different room. Mm -hmm. Um at, in, at Kent Commons, and it was a very small, it was a room smaller than the one we're in now. Sure. With, you know, it was packed, and it was like 200 people wandering around, and it was just elbow to, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And so this, it felt like that again. It's like with the number of people who were wandering the dealer room, which was great. Yeah. Um, but a, as you were saying that, you know, thanks to us for, for doing this, um, we would not have been able to get the turnout that we did if it wasn't for your help. You Aww, went, you. Uh, you, you went beyond the call of duty on so many occasions by inviting us on your podcast, uh, by connecting us with other people's podcasts, um, your, your podcast doing with uh, Gregor. Yeah. That was such an awesome thing. Um, yeah, and that came out of nowhere. He reached out to me, actually. He, awesome. Yeah, and, and we have a, we have a new mutual friend, Nick, who is also a fan of Gregor's and 1077 The End, and he's like, you should really talk to Mike and really talk to him about Cybefest. And so we did a podcast together. He wrote a blog, um, talked about it uh, live on his uh, radio show, yeah. and a lot of folks that came in this morning said they heard about Gregor talking about it on the end, and that's how they were here. So, um, so uh, uh, thanks for the kudos, but that really goes to Gregor and his audience also. So, uh, well, but if it wasn't for you, he wouldn't have had anybody to contact about this. Well, that that, so, is, that is also so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it, it's it's the it's the community. Absolutely. The community has, is so supportive. Um, and I mean, we're a small team trying to put on this convention, and we all have day jobs. Or right. And it's and it's tough to try to do everything perfectly mm -hmm. and do everything uh, that people want us to do. And we have to like pick and choose, like where is our time going to be spent? Right. Um, and 
you know, we want to try to create the best show possible, and you know, and we hope that people have a good time. In the end, all the hard work comes down to one day, and there's no redos, and we just kind of <laughs> it, it just it we just do it, and yep. you know, we have. Uh, you know Liz, who's you know on, been on your podcast. She's who, who is hanging out right over here. Oh, she's taking down chairs. I, <laughs> she's like somebody's got to be the heavy here. Oh, then I can't say what I was going to say about her because <laughs> she's looking at me with so puppy dog eyes. No, I said it uh, in the dealer room. She has been this monumental addition to the team. Absolutely. Um, and uh, kept Thank us. Thank you, Sam. She loves <laughs> us. We love her. And so, yeah, we're uh, because of the community, because of the fans, because yeah. of the friends that we've made through this uh, this hobby of ours. It's 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 been able to be what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I love that. I maybe I'm maybe thrilled to to continue to yeah to to push the show and try to make it bigger and and better. Um, it's it's a fun time. I, I'm exhausted. Oh yeah. I, I have not eaten anything today except for a donut in the morning. Um, I'm earning uh, a birthday nap tomorrow. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was gonna say that birthday nap. Tomorrow. Birthday nap with so so Peter Colin yes and me share the same birthday. Get out of here! I drive twenty eight. He is exactly thirty seven years older than I am. Thirty seven? Yeah. In a row. <laughs> So yeah, where my that's Smith fans at? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's just a crazy thought. I'm like, that, that's crazy. Well, then uh, uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a, it was a pleasure to host uh, this uh, this uh, panel talking about Transformers the movie, and then eventually uh, Sidefest wrap up. Yeah. Um, in uh, general, we'll uh, yeah maybe we'll bake that into the planning for next year because I really kind of like this. Uh, post-show vibe so sure so yeah we, we will you, you know that you basically all you have to do is shoot me an email saying hey do you want to do you want to talk with me on 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 my podcast and i'll be like and i will be there exactly exactly very cool all right well uh uh any last closing thoughts before uh, before we get the heck out of here so liz so we can help liz gather up the rest of the chairs hey liz i love you mike a lot of people said that they heard about us on the end uh so thank you gregor Yep. And uh, thank you, Mike, for going on and talking about us. And thank you for talking about us so much on your podcast. We love you. And when you talk about us, thank you for not saying mean things. Yeah, thank you for talking about us nicely. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> All right. But, but again, that's the thing that's so special about this fandom. It's so welcoming and inclusive. And I'm just glad to be here. So We are glad to have you. All right, very cool. And that will do it for this very special episode. Have you had a good time this afternoon? <laughs> Me too. This, this was a blast. We, same time next year. We'll, we'll definitely have to do this again. A huge special thanks to Liz and Ben and Jason and all of the staff and volunteers at SideFest Northwest. Um, for all the great work they do behind the scenes and make sure that um, that everything goes off without a hitch which wish them all the best of success in the future and if you want to listen to my other shows subscribe on SoundCloud Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts like share rate and review the show tell us what you like and what you'd like to hear in the future it really does help more of Ben 
Yeah, there it is. Uh, Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders. We will see you at SideFest Northwest 2020. My name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio production. Not bad for an old-timer. <laughs> <laughs>